welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue our series, The Movement Begins. Let's jump in and see what God's Word has for us from our lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. Thank you. I want to welcome you to Think Kingdom Church. Um, um, our church family knows that we are in the book of Acts, and we are walking through the book of Acts. Um, and we entitled the series, The Movement Begins, because this is actually when um, the church begins to not only be birthed, but um, develops. And so um, we, we don't know, I think, I, I think I'm on sermon number four of this series, and we're going to take the whole year of going through the book of Acts. And um, there are going to be some breaks in between. Um, but as also as a church family, we are reading through the book of Acts. And so uh, if you have questions or if you have some concerns, uh, uh, you can text those questions to 704-939-6723 as it relates to the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 1, uh, the Jesus movement begins. Um, the church is birthed. The mission is reiterated. Um, he gave them, Jesus gave them the mission in uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. And now they've received the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, the Christ followers um, now receive the power. And uh, this is beautiful and it's remarkable uh, because the work that Jesus enlists them to do requires what's beyond their ability. And sometimes we strategize the Holy Spirit out of a thing. And often it's our own ability that gets in the way, but the task that he has for these early Christ followers, it's going to take more than their intellect. It's going to take more than their, their um, connections and networking. It's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit begins to work in them in Jerusalem. But as we talked about in Acts chapter 1, it's not just for who they know. The good news is not just for the people in our area. The good news uh, exceeds far beyond. So you start with Jerusalem. Um, it's a place that's familiar with them. It's a place that they know, but it starts there. But as we continue to read, um, we see that the movement, the Jesus movement, doesn't stay there. So the church is always active and moving. And many of us in, in, in this church world Um, We get uh, complacent, and we believe that the task of moving the church is delegated to a handful of folk. You know, like the elders, and sure enough, pastor. But there's a personal responsibility as Christ followers that we all have. But the winds of the Spirit um, moves through the upper room, the upper room, the upper room, and then Jesus' um, instructions begin to take And so last week we talked about Acts chapter 2 when Peter preached and people heard him. So we're going to pick up on Acts chapter 2, verse number 37. Um, It reads as follows, when they heard this, meaning that they heard the gospel that Peter preached, they were pierced to the heart. Some translations say cut. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Having heard everything you said about the blood of Jesus is on our hands and that he is risen and he's alive. The question is, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people, people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the movement. This is the moment that what Jesus instructed them to do, the promise of the Holy Spirit, this is the moment where it all comes together and Peter, the impulsive one, the one with the temper, the temper, he stands up, he preaches, and they, when they heard, verse number 37, and when they heard the, the gospel, it pierced their hearts. They asked, what should we do? If we back up just a little bit, remember when they spoke in tongues? Um, the tongues caused, uh, mar- they marveled at the tongues because they heard, um, the, they heard the message in their own ears and they had understanding. But the, the, the tongues didn't move them. It's the gospel that moves us. And so sometimes we get caught up, not that the tongues were antics, but sometimes we get caught up in antics and shows forgetting why we gathered. We gather because the news of Jesus is always good. So for us, we heard the message and we responded. You're here today because you responded to the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't you ever forget. Now, there are times when, especially when we are being matured, we want to be used by God. We believe that we have a call and we are skilled, we're charismatic, we are, we're talented. But the gist of the message of Jesus Christ must remain at the forefront. Take the building, take the instruments, take all of this. But whatever you do, don't take your spirit from us. And so this is the first point, the first point, the gospel, say the gospel. The gospel is enough. So I agree with the critics that say, just preach the gospel, just preach the gospel. Absolutely, but the gospel also answers the culture. The gospel puts on display, it demonstrates racial reconciliation. If you want to see racial reconciliation, then let the gospel be at the forefront. The gospel answers the question of social economics. The gospel answers the question about women. The gospel answers the question about sexuality. It's the gospel that has to remain at the forefront. And I shared, I fear the day when we say the gospel isn't enough. 
This generation that we're in need the gospel. Let's not change the message. We may have to change the methods, but let's not change the message. And if we change the methods, let's not build church on antics. Everybody likes cake, but that's not a nutritious meal. The gospel puts things in perspective. I always give this example to church planners. If one Sunday, this Sunday, if no tricks, I literally levitated, you will be astonished. And then the next week, you will invite people to see that pastor over there levitates. The church will be full. And then during the, during the, minute, the, the, the middle of my sermon, I levitate again. Everybody, oh, man, I'm on the news. Uh, I mean, the church, and now we have multiple service, and I levitate again. After about six months of that, people come to church and say, that's all he do is levitate. Because people, if we're not careful, we, we become so focused on what's ant, what the antics are. The antics can attract, but it can also distract. We need the meat of the gospel. So there's always a response to the gospel, always. We either reject it or we accept it. And that's why it was cut from their hearts, because he cut them, he cut their hearts so they would be able to receive in their hearts. And so they, he, they were cut because of the word of God. I once heard that following Christ is an omission, it's a confession that we are weak and in need of saving. So here's a throw-off point, but it's, it's important. The only thing that you and I bring to salvation is our sin. You did not save yourself. Christ is an admission that we are weak, and we're not even strong enough to save ourselves. So can we dismiss this notion that there's a hierarchy in the house of God? We all need saving. No church said, that's how we pressure you into saying amen. Like the whole church says, and it was like, amen. Group dynamics. Verse number 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Each of you. Each of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many others, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those, who, um, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Repentance turns us towards God. And the cutting, the piercing of our hearts is our response, and then there's a corresponding behavior. And all of this indicates us turning toward God and away from sin. Repentance is turning away, turning to God and away from sin. Very important because repentance is an authentic response to the gospel. It's hearing the words of God and our hearts are pricked and cut. 
not for condemnation, but for conviction. And so John the baptizer in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 3 will say, repent, and then what? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, and then what? So the, the, the avenue, the first step is repentance. We hear And then we respond. When we respond, we act. We turn towards God and away from sin. So that's why Peter says, repent and be baptized. But this is a reminder of Matthew chapter 8, sorry, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, or actually Matthew 28 and 18, verse number 18 through 20. When Jesus came near to them, he was talking to disciples. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And it's reiterated in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and the outermost part of the world. We are so individualistic that we think that the outermost, in this context, the outermost part of the world is us. We are the result of the disciples' obedience, but God loves towards us. In other words, this small band of misfits in Jerusalem is spread it. And as we travel through the book of Acts, what we're going to see is how the gospel is spread it. Now, here's a newsflash if you're reading ahead. Um, sometimes challenges come so you'll move. So Acts chapter, 20, Acts chapter 8 is when something happens to the church and the people scatter. Hmm. So oftentimes, it's not necessarily bad when the church can't gather. We'll talk about that as we go. Read ahead. Cheat. Acts chapter 8. Read it. Trust me. You'll love it. Repentance leads to obedience or should lead to it. And all those who repent are assured of a promise, a promise for those who believe in the now and the future. Those who believe are saved. The promise is not, you're going to hear this. The promise is not houses. The promise is not the best job with the most money. Can I just throw that in there? The promise is that he will empower us for his spirit. It's the old folks saying, you know, I'm in between. I'm not really old, but I'm not young, so I'm in between. So the old folks used to say it this way. He kept me when I didn't want to be kept. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Now, for church planners, we hear this number, 3,000. 3,000 people got saved. That's my church. Well, there was about 100,000 people in the area. So you do the math, you're good if you're reaching 3%. You're good. <laughs> but oh, that's just a sidebar. In that crowd, there were people... We traveled all from everywhere. And now, listen to this. With many others, he testified and strongly urged them. Man, he urged them like their lives depended on it. Put attack in that. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And I love this part. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them, added to them. The gospel provided an opportunity to hear and respond to the invitation to be a part of God's family. They were added to God's family. It wasn't a role of counting for, for counting's sake. They became a part of God's family. And the calling to 
the membership of God's family is a call into discipleship. The mission of this church is to make disciples. Everywhere we go and stop compartmentalizing our lives. This is my work life. This is my church life. This is my home life. The thread is Jesus. So I'm not three different people depending on who I'm around. It's discipleship. The acceptance of the message is an invitation to membership into God's family. When we repent and we respond, you're part of God's family. But like every family, I was for dramatic pause. We got issues. Not I-S-S-U-E, I-S-S-H-A. We got issues. And that is what we're going to be showing. Um, we're we're, we're going to be taking, we're going to pause Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to go into emotions, the relationship edition, because it's one thing to gather. It's another thing to, to be focused on a particular service or particular volunteer efforts or small groups. It's another thing to do life together. So we're going to show through, through the word, emotions and the relationship edition, what that looks like. So out of this, out of these three basic relationships, out of this, they hear the gospel, gospel is enough, they respond, repentance, um, and then what the acceptance of the message is. Um, we've got basically three basic relationships that we deal with. It's um, my relationship with God, right? Then my relationship with myself, because I got some stuff in my relationship with others. And so although we are called to be a family, we have to be mature to understand that concept. And that's the hard part of this. See, it's easy to do what you're doing now. Well, depends on your take of how good or bad I am. But listening is not doing. And so I've, I've seen, you know, if you, if you hang out with me, I try to be as transparent and and real as possible, I've seen that people love hanging out with me, but not the other members of the family. And so what happens is if they don't have my time, they become disconnected with the church. And the challenge with that is we family. But then the people who have been here must be welcoming and, and inviting for others to come into the space. You know how family is. We got our own talk. We know what's really in those closets. So when we're a family, we're supposed to live our lives like this. And the challenge of the church is, is built sometimes on individual. And the, the culture that we live in is all about individualism. It's about me and mine. And so when we look at that, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and then how? And they also to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to pray. And, man, this is commentary. This is anecdotal. Some of us like one of the two. I like the breaking of the bread. But you can have that praying, Reverend. Because everything's, everything's about what you can do. And others, they love the gathering. Oh, I love me some worship. 
oh, pastor, why don't we just spend time in worship? That's all. Just let them sing until heavens fall. We can do that. But we also gather. Because they, attend, they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. Okay, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And look what happens. Everyone, say everyone, was filled with awe. Some of us need to go back to our first love. You don't love the way you used to. And sometimes the distance of the first time and the distance, now we have to work towards that relationship. God has not moved. God is sovereign. So they devoted themselves. And now watch this. Now all believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions. I need every credit card right there. We have, and as you're watching online, I hear no, stop. I'm playing too much. All right, they sold their possessions every day. They devoted themselves to meeting together in temple and broke bread from house to house. Let's put it in context. The people who had abundance was making sure that the people who lacked had enough. They held everything in common. So somebody lights get turned off, you know what they did? They called, it's all called family. We need to teach people a lesson by letting them sit in the dark. And then you, 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 you get the money, right? And then we teach you how to manage your money. You see how that give and take relationship is? There's a practical application to the gospel is what I'm saying. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this flies in the face of individualism. There was a hunger there. There was a hunger that the people of God had for the things of God. And, and, and here's what's beautiful. The beautiful part of it, um, that they gathered around the word of God together. Yeah, you can study in your private time, and you should. But oh, when the saints come together, they didn't have copies of the New Testament. That's for our benefit. They were writing the news. This is for our benefit. They had the Old Testament, and they had the apostles who were literally been with Jesus, and so they're listening to the feet. They're listening to Jesus because they had this experience with Jesus. Something happened when they had the experience with Jesus. And so I tell this often. So me and you set up a meeting. And in the meeting, it's supposed to be at 12, and then it's 12.45, and you never show up. It's 1.30, and you never show up. You finally show up, and you say, Pastor, I'm sorry I'm late, but on the way here, I got hit by a Mack truck. What? Yeah, I got hit by a Mack truck. I was, I was on 85 South, and I was going, got out of my car, did X, Y, Z, the truck hit me. It hit you? Yes. I don't see any remarks. I don't see marks. I don't see scars. I don't see broken bones. If Jesus impacted your life, there should be something that changes about your life. And oftentimes what happens, we, we, we make these grand stories. The truth of the matter is, please help me with this. Just be honest. I didn't come to church because I didn't feel like it. I ain't reading my Bible because I'm distracted. Instead of this, this, this fasana that we have, listen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are sins in our lives that we have to speak towards and we have to be repentant and confess. Yes, but there's also times when we just have to say, you know what? I don't want to do right. I'm, I'm mad. I'm angry. I mean, one of the greatest gifts, greatest gifts that my wife and I went through and we'll talk about this later in somewhat details, is when we started really leaning into our own emotions. And if you notice, two or three years ago, that's all I was about. 
Emotions, man. Get your emotions together. Because what was happening was I was seeing that all these triggers, that I'm stepping on people's shoes and not even know it. Because I'm dealing with the inner me, and now I'm trying to deal with you, but you're not communicating. So we got all this chaos in the church, and the only, the only root of it is we all wounded. And some choose to get their wounds attended to. And others just keep picking it. And then when we have to cut your arm off, you, 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 you blaming everybody. The Holy Spirit has come to put us together as a family. And sometimes, can I just be real? My sister's here. But can I be real? Sometimes I don't like family. Family, get them. I heard it put this way. This guy told me, he said, listen, I'm never coming to your church. So, wow, that's blatant. <laughs> he said, man, I love Jesus. But cheer his children get on my nerves. And I said, brother, I can't amen you in one sense. <laughs> and I can't like that status publicly. But I'll just nod. <laughs> and that's some of our reality. But when scripture says, let the, let the strong bear the infirmities of the weak, does that just mean health? It's everything. Let those who are mature carry the ones who are immature. Let the ones who have it financially make sure that we good on the other end. And so all of God's people gather around God's word. Man, listen, the Super Bowl next week, I don't care who wins, because except there's an act of God, the Panthers will probably never go in my lifetime. And I have accepted that. So I don't care. But you know what everybody's going to do? They're going to come together. And they're going to rally around their team. And that team going to make some mistakes. But it's not the fourth quarter. It's not 0-0. Zero, zero. So they realize, except in every analogy breaks down. But the game is not over until fourth quarter, 0-0-0. Zero, zero, zero. So in the meanwhile, they're cheering their team on. I have never seen in my life how Christians assault one another. Man, one of the worst things that ever happened in this church wasn't Donald J. Trump in reference to who we were and, and the political stuff. It was these little things right here. Boy, I tell you, I quit so many times. We either wearing a mask and we don't have faith or we're not, or we, or, or, let me see, wear, wear the mask, no faith. I got faith, so I don't wear the mask. And all in between, everybody hating each other. <laughs> Man, I was like, you know what, Gary, you can have this. Um, the second point, we do the word together. And then the second point is we do life together. Now, fellowship is more than just hospitality when somebody walks in and inviting them. It's going to people's homes. It's fellowshipping. And then... It's like when we have people come over. It's like our children may know how junky our houses are, but our brothers and sisters in the faith don't. So we got this laundry, we got all these closets, we got all this stuff, right? But when we do life together, we see the good, bad, and the indifferent. We see everything. And oftentimes when we say we're fellowshipping, we're not. We're just greeting one another. It's like an extension. It's like an extended greeting. 
because I don't want you to go to places that are secluded and off limits. And so when we talk about doing life together, we literally see the argument between me and my wife, and you see the conflict resolution. You see all of it. And sometimes when we're discipling people, we only want to see how God is just, re- just, just revealing so many truths and spiritual revelations. I was up till four o'clock in the morning and I saw the heavens break and I saw ladders like Jacob. That's all we want. Man, I ain't talked to Tanya in two days. We don't want that. And the reality of making disciples is that it's, it's all of it. It's how we conflict, how we, the thing that I'm seeing as a pastor in, this, in, in, in church and, and, and getting the feedback, we don't know how to resolve conflict. And so this is where doing life together, I, how dare someone call you on your inconsistency? How dare they? And so if we're going to do life together, those are times that we gather around the word, but we also do life together and we see those times of of wonderful encouragement. We encourage one another. It's the whole bear one another's burdens. But sometimes, real talk, we got to bear with one another. Because there's some areas in my life that I'm immature and I'm not being matured at a speed that you can tolerate. So the response, because I don't want no drama, is to disconnect. But how many know there's drama everywhere if there's two people? And if you're by yourself, you're mad at yourself. (laughs) It's no escaping. Sometimes I have arguments with myself and we don't speak to each other about two weeks. That's just how we are. And then the third thing is breaking of bread. Now, um, I got a friend who's a Greek scholar and he reads Greek. And so I said, hey, help me with this. Are they talking about... Um, the breaking of bread in the sense of food, or they're talking about, um, they're talking about um, communion, and we're going to take communion um, today. And he said, um, he said, actually the way it reads, he's talking about the breaking of bread, so it's specific to the Lord's Supper. Um, and he says, so breaking the bread together, and he gave me um, a screenshot of all the Greek and all the other stuff, and I said, bruh, thanks. I can't read this stuff. So the early church, you know, communion centers us. So think about it. we got the word, right? And we got, we got the fellowshipping together and then the breaking of bread can be used in two ways. But the focus is communion and, and how we come around communion. And, and, and if you've been in church at any amount of time, you know, we had the big tables in remembrance of me. That's what communion does. It draws us in together to communion with him. And so, so if we continue this whole prescription, if you will, the fellowship, the, the gathering of God's word and, and here in the communion. And then here's what's crazy. Prayer. These rhythms of the word of God being the center, the fellowship, doing life together, not just for church activity, but life. We celebrate together. We mourn together. Erica and Dion about to get married, and so we celebrate. And, and, and then there are times in our lives where we don't have the words for the hurt that people are going through. So we mourn. But all of this centers is prayer. And many of us, man, I'm the chief one. I, I, the, the, the pockets where I go, 
I'm absence of the prayer that's needed to do and accomplish what God has put me and put before us. But I was told a story about the sword of uh, Damocles. And Damocles served a king called Dionysus. Probably screwed that name up. You know, I'm phonetically challenged. Um, and so the servant said, that's all you do is sit up there and you have it made. Like you, you, like you, you rule this way, and you rule this way, and people respond. And they always respond to you. And man, I'm just a lowly servant. I wish we could trade places. So Dionysus said, done. But one day, you're going to be sitting in the king's stead. So he got a throne, and he's sitting there. And he's sitting there like this. And then before he gets started with his day, some servants come, and they tie a sword to that's hanging from the ceiling and being held by a, a horse's hair tail. And Demoscles looks up and says, what is this? Damocles, he looks up and says, what is this? He said, because every decision I make creates enemies. And he said, so I need you to, I need you to know the pressure that you will always be under. And so one false move and and as I heard this story, I realized that that's how many of us serve God. Not with the freedom, but with this pressure of performance. We are sons and daughters. And so repentance is a response to a loving father. So when I mess up, I run to. I don't run away. And so what God has to clear in our hearts is that he's not this police officer that's just ready to track us down when we do wrong. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that sin doesn't lead to consequences. But what that means is when we, are under, when we understand our identity in Christ, we, when we mess up, we run to the Father. And you know where that encouragement comes from? The people, the family of God. You messed up, absolutely. Repent and be baptized, repent. You messed up. But we don't stay in the mess up, and that comes through the constant prayer. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And watch this, and always keep on praying. Man, never stop praying. First Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray always. Always. James 5 and 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. <laughs> Romans 12 and 12, be joyful in hope. Check this out. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And everybody that's been in church for 20 minutes know this one, Philippians 4 and 6. Do not be anxious about anything, <laughs> but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we have this so we have this snapshot, and, and the beauty of this can be summed out, summed out 
with this. We are greater than me. And we're on this journey together. So we gather together. We do life together. We, we, we eat and share communion together. We pray. Thank you. Together. Because being together is the antidote to the culture. When times get hard, um, this is where we have to gather together. I think I, I, I stole it from somebody, but I don't know where I got it from. So if you're watching, I stole it from you. Our, we are tasked to falling in love more with God and each other. They will know by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That was Pastor Antoine continuing our journey in the book of Acts with our series, The Movement Begins. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you're in Charlotte or any surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our very own Think Kingdom podcast.